Well, good evening and welcome. Can you hear me? All right. We're so glad you're here tonight, and we just want to welcome you out on Good Friday evening here at East LJ Baptist Church. We, uh, we were here to spread our enjoyment of the beauty of Christ to the world. Uh, we are here for the glory of God and for the joy of every man, woman, boy, and girl. That's what we're all about. That's why we're, we do everything we do, and that's why we're doing what we're doing tonight. And so if you're visiting with us, welcome. Um, it's just our privilege to have you here. Um, and let me just talk to you real quick. If you are visiting with us for the first time, you'll see in the pew rack in front of you a welcome card. Uh, if you'd fill that out and hand it uh, to, to Larry, who you saw, who told you to sit up front and in the middle... That's Larry. If you just hand that to Larry on your way out, we, we'll, we would appreciate that so we can uh, be in touch with you and see how we might can serve you in, in other ways in the future. Also, on your way out to, tonight, if you were not here this past Sunday and didn't get one of these uh, little pamphlets, Palm Sunday to Easter, uh, discussing the death and resurrection of Christ, feel free to pick one of those up, just one per family if you will. There's a stack of them on the desk on the way out. Uh, you can use that throughout the weekend. If, uh, it kind of goes through the week, shows you what all was going on, where Jesus would have been on each given day. And it's just kind of a neat uh, illustrated pamphlet to, to help you think through the last week of Christ, his, his, the week of his passion. And then finally, if you're visiting with us for the first time, and uh, we, first of all, come back Sunday. Uh, I promise we don't do anything tonight that... Uh, that'll scare you or freak you out. And then Sunday morning, we're going to have an awesome time of worship together as we think about the resurrection of, not, of, of Christ, tonight the death of Christ, and all that means, and then Sunday morning, the resurrection of Christ. Um, if you're with us this weekend, and if you're just kind of uh, getting back into church, we want to, uh, starting next Sunday, that is not this, this Sunday, Easter Sunday, but the following Sunday, April 23rd, we're going to be uh, having a class at 9.45 on Sunday morning right here. Um, I'm going to be leading a time, not a class really, but just a, a conversation called Starting Point. Um, a conversation about faith. If you have questions about what it means to be a follower of Christ, if you have questions about church, maybe, maybe you're kind of here because somebody drug you here, but you, you, you really aren't so sure uh, about the whole thing with, with Jesus, come and ask whatever questions you have. It'll be a guided kind of time. Uh, we'll talk about some key issues, key questions that we all have uh, just by virtue of being uh, on planet Earth. And so uh, through that, I hope together we can uh, come to some answers that uh, are encouraging to you. Uh, through the gospel of Christ. Well, I want us to pray together, and then we're going to enjoy just a, a sweet time of worship uh, and meditation on the sufferings of our Lord for us. Let's pray together. Father, to think that you who created the world would love us who having been created and given all good things and a beautiful design for life on earth, rebelled. And God, we continue to rebel. From the womb, we come out rebelling. And yet, while we were still sinners, you loved us. We thank you. We thank you for the opportunity to, to just specifically and, and in a focused way 
Think about your sufferings, Lord Jesus. Willingly, you underwent hell on earth for me, for each of us. And so, Spirit of God, would you come tonight and empower, just control this time, control our thoughts, control our minds, work in our hearts, open our hearts to see the truth of who Jesus is and what the cross is really all about. We pray it in his precious name. Amen. So what was Good Friday all about? And why was it good? to be God. The people lined the streets and shouted, Hosanna! Oh, it looked like they loved you. But they didn't. They did not love you. They did not heed your words. They were not your friends. They were your enemies. And before the week had even ended, they crucified you. And now, here you are, nailed on a cross, naked and weak. Of course, the only reason I'm here is because I know what you're really up to. You are paying for something. You have been crowned with guilt, the shame of all the people you loved. The mistakes of every person, that nagging selfishness that emerges from the womb like a cancer that never stops growing, the cheating, the backstabbing, the despicable things they wish upon others, all the secrets kept under wraps, kept behind closed doors. I can see you pushing with your feet, trying to breathe underneath the weight of it all, all the petty anger of prideful men. The blatant disregard for others, the lack of compassion, the insistence of entitlement, the material obsessions, the unspeakable amounts of money they spend on looking good while their fellow humans are starving. What does it feel like knowing that all of this is on you now? Every divorce, every abandonment, every deadbeat dad, every gunshot, every kid lying dead in the street, the men who kidnap girls and sell their dignity for a few dollars, all the insecure rage and outbursts, the I hate you, the I'll do what I want, the pornographic addictions, the jealousy, the idols, the celebration of vanity, the constant pursuit of look at me, look at me, look at me. Well, now we're looking at And all I can see is a world drowning in sin and suffering. I realize these were not your doing. Nonetheless, I'm happy for you to be taking the blame. Humanity has done a fine job with this, but I'll take it from you. Before we're done, I just have to ask, what kind of person claims he can forgive the whole world? Who do you think you are? 
sincerely. Death. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The wages of sin is death. Death, in the letter, was right about one thing. Jesus was innocent and completely righteous. It was not for his sins that he was crucified. Jesus suffered and died for my sin, for your sin. For the sin of everyone who will ever believe on him. Ravi Zacharias said, There is only one place in the world where the hungers of the human heart, truth, love, justice, and forgiveness, those things for which our heart hungers, there is only one place in the world where they all converge. It is the cross of Christ. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24, Peter tells us of Jesus. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. And that's true for you tonight if you know Jesus. Jesus chose to go to the place where the worst sinners died and be rejected as an outcast for me, for you. Hebrews 13 verse 12 says, So Jesus also suffered outside the gate in order to sanctify the people through his own Blood. He was crucified outside the city of Jerusalem in the unholy place of death so that the unholy race, you and me, might have victory over sin and over death. Romans 5.8 puts it this way, but God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Let's worship together. The prophet Isaiah spoke some 800 years before Good Friday. And he said, Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed 
and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to the slaughter, and like a sheep that before its shearers is silent, so he opened not his mouth. Think with me about the crucifixion of Christ. See the images as we think about his death. Dehydrated. Exhausted. Thirsty, so thirsty. Near delirium from shock and blood loss. Jesus prays for just a few more moments rest, but there is none. The Roman centurion steps forward, barking orders, cursing the gathering crowd and kicking at his tormented victim. This is the same soldier who hours earlier, with horsewhip in hand, had reduced this young man to a bloody stump. He must now finish the task. This isn't cruelty, the soldier explains to his own conscience, an explanation he had tendered many times. This is it's just my job. Some are farmers, some are bankers, some are merchants, some are carpenters. I'm a soldier. I keep the peace. This is what I do. And he had presided over many executions, preserving the Pax Romana, this Roman peace such as it was. Bandits, insurrectionists, terrorists, freedom fighters. Countless such criminals had earned the sharp end of Roman justice. Let's get on with it, he says to his fellow executioners. I hadn't had breakfast yet. The cohort works to align two massive beams on the ground beside the crumpled carpenter. They roll him over on his back, his bloody shoulders now pressed against the coarse wood. With dreadful skill, the legionnaire finds the depression at the front of the wrist. He drives a heavy square iron nail through the wrist and in in between the bones. This prisoner must be nearly dead already, the legionnaire assumes. It takes no one to hold him down. This freedom fighter has no more fight left in him. Good enough, the legionnaire mumbles. Over the sound of his growling belly and the sickening clatter of iron splitting wood and flesh. Quickly, he moves to the other side and repeats the action. He's careful not to pull the arms too tightly but to allow them to flex and move. Arms pulled too tightly in crucifixion will shorten the dying process. Remember, boys, this isn't a mercy killing. On cue, they all laugh and begin lifting the cross into place. Violently, it is dropped into a well-worn hole, and the weight of wood, body, and gravity, the weight of the world... Bears down on two single nails, two single hands, one single carpenter. The left foot is now pressed over and against the right. With both feet extended, toes down, a nail's driven through the arch of each, leaving the knees flexed. He is crucified. As he slowly sags down with more and more weight, pulling on the nails in his wrist, excruciating, fiery pain 
shoots along his fingers and into his arms, exploding in the brain and washing over his entire body. The nails in the wrist are putting pressure on, if not nearly severing, the median nerves. As he pushes himself upward to avoid this stretching torment, he's forced to place his full weight on the nail through his feet. This he cannot stand. The searing agony of the nail tearing through the tissues and nerves between the bones of his feet is too much, far too much. He must collapse only for the angry outburst of pain in his wrist to begin all over again. The arms fatigue. Cramps sweep through his, through his muscles, knotting them in relentless, throbbing suffering. The carpenter begins to lose the ability to push himself upward to breathe. He is suffocating. Slowly, gradually, in the heat of the now rising sun, he fights to get even one small breath, just one. And with that breath, he screams, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, my God, my God, oh dear God, why, why have you forsaken me? Finally, enough carbon dioxide builds up in his lungs and in his bloodstream partially relieving the cramps. He's now able sporadically to push himself upward to exhale and bring tiny bursts of oxygen into his lungs. Oxygen that will not save him, that will only prolong his suffering. For six hours on this Friday, six long, wretched hours while Roman soldiers eat their bread and dream of home while his mother wails with a dagger in her own heart. While the crowds laugh and mock, while his friends hide in abject defeat, while the government washes its soft hands clean, while the sky turns black and God himself weeps, the carpenter hangs there, strung between heaven and earth, suffering in hell. Infinite pain, cycles of twisting and contorting to get a breath, joint-ripping cramps, periods of asphyxiation, searing agony as his lacerated back moves up and down against the rough timber. Then, as if he had any more blood to spill, as if he had any more pain to feel, any more ways to suffer, a bottomless, devastating agony is born deep within his chest. The pericardium of the heart begins to fill with serum. The heart compresses, constricts, and spasms as it drowns in its own fluid. Pushed beyond its limit, the heart can no longer pump the heavy, thick blood. blood. The tortured lungs, working like panic-stricken bellows, gasp for the last gulps of air. The chill of death, with all its welcomed mercy crawls across his body. Finally, finally, he can allow his body to die over a misshapen, swollen tongue and cracked, bleeding lips. He whispers to Telestai, it is finished. The carpenter, Jesus the Messiah, is dead. Paul said, for our sake, 
he, God the Father, made him, Jesus the Son, to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. That's what was going on on the cross. Hebrews 9 verse 26, speaking of Jesus, he has appeared once for all, for all of us. At the end of the ages to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. All that happened that day on the cross was for me. It was for you. This is what was required. For Jesus to be the Messiah, the Savior of the world. These sufferings, this death. This is what was required for Uh, required by the justice of holy God. This is what His justice demanded because of my sin, because of your sin. And these sufferings is what the love and mercy and grace of holy God gave to satisfy His own justice in the person and work of His Son, Jesus. It is the cross that we should think of when we read the words, for God so loved the world. Literally, for God in this way, through the agonizing death of His Son on the cross, loved the world. Let's worship together. Amen. You may be seated. Jesus said, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink His blood, you have no life in you. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. And I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. As the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so whoever feeds on me, he also will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven, not like the bread the fathers ate and died. Whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. Now, Jesus said those words a long time before he hung on the cross. A long time before the Last Supper, the text tells us in John 6 that not only were the Jews who were listening a at his words. Can can you imagine hearing those words for the first time? Sounds cannibalistic, doesn't it? That's why Christians got this, this reputation in the early days of being cannibals. But the text even says that his disciples were confused and troubled by these words. Perhaps, we're not sure, but perhaps it wasn't until after the resurrection that it all made sense, even in the mind of the disciples. 
what was Jesus saying? Jesus was very simply saying that it was his death on the cross where his body was broken and his blood was shed. It was there that salvation comes to the human race. That cross, if you will, was the only salvation feast on the planet. There's only one way to know God, and it's through Christ. And Jesus said there's only one real bread to give the soul everlasting life. There's only one real drink to give the soul a relationship with with God the Father. It's the broken, my broken body and my shed blood. And Jesus said, figuratively, by faith, speaking of what goes on in here, you must eat of his flesh and drink of his blood. You must trust the word of God that says Jesus paid it all on the cross. This table is for all who do just that, for all who trust God's declaration that Jesus' broken body and shed blood in his crucifixion satisfied the justice of holy God toward my sin, toward your sin, with the result that now we are declared as righteous as Jesus himself, who is our righteousness before the Father. Paul tells us that on the night when Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way also he took the cup after supper saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death, Paul says, until he comes. And so every time we celebrate here at the Lord's table, we are you are, each of us individually is preaching a message to any here tonight who don't know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. And what we're saying to you is not that a piece of bread dipped in grape juice saves you, but we are saying just as our bodies depend on food, our souls and yours depend on whether or not you trust what Jesus did on the cross where his body was broken and his blood was shed to pay for sin once for all, even as we've read. And we are calling to you tonight. We are saying we have been where you are. It's only by the grace of God we know Jesus, but you can feast on his grace by faith. And you tonight, if you don't know him, you can know him and you can have your soul forever satisfied by one meal, by one partaking of the bread and grape juice up here on the table. Oh no. But by one meal wherein you trust with all of your heart, Jesus' death and as we'll celebrate Sunday, resurrection from the dead as our Lord and Savior.
And so, I invite you tonight to come and feast your soul on this once-for-all sacrifice for your sins given by our precious Savior so that you might live in Him, in the freedom of forgiveness and in the power of grace to overcome sin day by day, all with the certain hope of eternity in His presence. That's what we have in this great salvation. Amen, church? That's what we have. And if you're here tonight and don't know Jesus, that's what you can have. I'm going to invite you to come. We're going to do this um, a, little bit, a little different. I'm just going to stand here tonight. We're going to form two lines. I'm going to ask you to, to exit your row to the outside and come and serve yourself. There's bread broken up here. And, and, and all you need to do is just take the bread like this and dip it in the, the juice. And, and that's just a picture of, of Christ's body and blood mingle together on the cross and then partake, okay? And so I'm going to ask you just to come as the music begins um, and, and the band leads us in worship during this time and serve yourself. The altar's open for you to come. If you would want to uh, spend this time in prayer, you can return to your seats, whatever. If you know the Lord Jesus is your Lord and Savior tonight, if you trust Him, then you come. So glad that we can lay every burden down at the foot of the cross. Amen. You know, one thing that we don't ever have to wonder, though we do struggle with it at points, is does God love us? What we just considered seals that deal, closes that question. There's a lot of things that our suffering can mean and involve and be about but it's not about whether or not God loves us. When we suffer, when we go through trials, when there's difficulties, he's proven that once for all on the cross. Let's hear the rest or the response to the letter we heard at the beginning. Dear Death, I got your letter. My apologies for it taking a few days to write back. I had some important work to finish. I know you weren't expecting me to reply, but I'm always eager to provide the answer to a good question. Who do I think I am? I'll tell you who I am. I am the eternity before history. I am the potter who spun the galaxies. I am the spirit over the deep and the one who tells mountains to migrate. I am the cloud of day, the fire of night. I am the co-conspirator behind the scandal of grace. I am the keeper of the books. I am well aware of the debts that line the pages of every generation and today I am stamping each and every one of them paid in I am? I'll tell you. I am the just and furious wrath that makes hell look like a campfire. And I am the towering wave of mercy that can quench its thirsty flame. I am the billowing storm of love that sits on every horizon. And my goodness rains down on both the wicked and the righteous. I am the redeemer of wasted years. I am the welcome home to every prodigal son. I am the voice in the ear of every young girl whispering, 
I created you. And you were created beautiful. I am faithful even to the faithless. My name is salvation. My name is power, even power over you. Do you really want to know who I am? I am the foot on your head. I am the spear in your side. I am the one author of this story. I am the one holding the pen. And I will block you out with a single stroke of my hand. I will have the last word because I am the word. And death, I am here to give you a word. On Friday, you weren't attending my funeral. You were attending yours. The nails in my hand will be the ones in your coffin. And just to be clear, I was not a victim of human plans, and I was certainly never a slave to you. I am the victor. I am the master. I am the one who sets the captives free. And not only have I broken your grip on me, but I will pry your fingers from all who call my name. You are done. You are powerless. Your work is null and void. Pack up your bags. Go and tell your friends. It is finished. And in case you're still wondering, who do I think I am? I'll tell you who. I am. Sincerely, Jesus. Hallelujah. Paul David Tripp said the most horrible thing that ever happened was the most wonderful thing that ever happened. That's why Good Friday is good. Because of Jesus' sacrifice in our place on the cross, there is hope and salvation to all who will trust Him. The question tonight is, do you trust Him? You can leave here this evening in the freedom of forgiveness and the joy of a righteous standing before God. And you can call Him Father. All because of those six hours. All because of that day. All because of the cross of Jesus Christ. If you don't know Him tonight, don't go through the rest of the weekend without Him. He's here. He wants to know you. He wants to, to give you His grace. He wants you to know what all of this means, not just in general, but for you. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for this time. And Father, may each of us, those of us who know you, may we leave this place tonight with a deeper gratitude for the cross for the sufferings of our Lord, for the depth of the love of our Father and of the Lord Jesus for us. May we leave with a greater surrender 
to you, not just as Savior, but as Lord of our lives. For Lord, if you would love us so, then you are the Lord. You are the master of our lives. And you make it clear in your, in your word, it can be no other way. And God, for those who may be here tonight that don't know you as a Savior, may tonight be the night that with all their heart they drink deeply of the salvation offered through the broken body and shed blood of Jesus. That their souls would feast on the one life-giving sacrifice of the perfect Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world and that they would know then the joy of forgiveness and the freedom of living in power over sin and the happiness and the hope of having today a righteous standing before you and one day of being with you forever. God, may that be what you do in hearts tonight. And Father, we praise you and we thank you, Lord Jesus, that you, the story didn't end on Friday. You didn't stay in that borrowed tomb. You just barred it because you knew that you were coming out on Sunday. It was Friday, but Sunday came. And we praise you that even tonight we celebrate these thoughts about your crucifixion in the light and with the hope of your resurrection. Father, may you bring us back together on Sunday to celebrate the resurrection, the very center point of the work of salvation. For Lord Jesus, if you hadn't risen, you'd be no Savior. I praise you that we worship a living and able and everlasting Savior. We exalt you and we praise you. Dismiss us now in your love, joy, and peace with a great sense of hope. For your glory's sake, we ask it. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. We're dismissed.